Surprise, surprise, we have a bonus holiday episode for you. Today, I am talking with Maxim Novikov, who discusses his story of leaving Christianity and spirituality and finding his way back again, although with a very new view of it. We discuss politics in the sense that Christians should be political and why he thinks that is so. And we also discuss how to navigate the holidays when you're expecting be challenged or grilled by family members who want to comment on your evolving beliefs. I think you're really going to enjoy what he shares with us today. I I actually screenshotted the post that made, I mean, it's the one that you have highlighted, but the post that you, I believe, kind of restarted your page with. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, about hope. Yes, uh, I yeah. did. Can I read part of that? Can I read the yeah. part? Okay, this sure. really spoke to me where I am. Um, and I, I'll tell you why in a second, but this is part of what you wrote. You said, I left social media for three months because I was struggling to come up with things to write. My anger was gone and I still had so much to say, but nothing I was saying seemed to have any substance. The truth is I was still trying to write from a space within me that I had simply moved on from. At this point in my life, I can no longer hold on to old resentments regarding the church simply because I see things from a wider lens than I had before. For so long, I allowed my shared experiences of religious abuse and trauma to isolate my perception of Christianity and its role in the world. At this point, I can't rely on doubt and anger. Rather, I have to hope and trust that Christianity and its message can transcend this tragic moment in time. If I were to use one word to describe the direction or theme of this page, it would be hope, simply because hope seems to be the only thing I can rely on at this point in my life. I look forward to sharing my hopeful reflections with you, a bunch of holy misfits. And man, I read that. I literally thought about that post for like the whole day because since I've been in this space online for a little less than a year you know, doubt and anger really kind of characterize. Yeah, kind of consumes the space. It does. And I mean, and it absolutely needs to have its voice. Those things absolutely need to come. But it's just the first time I've really seen someone take that angle in the way that you have and still be able to be kind of dually critical of things and yet really looking at what now and the hope and and holding on to Christianity instead of just disregarding it. Although I know we'll get into what that actually means for you in this season. Um, but I just have found that really inspiring. And that's partly why I was like, I think I think I could talk to this person. <laughs> I think that's something I've oh. been craving, to be honest. Um, so oh, thank that you. is the biggest compliment. That is yeah. the biggest compliment. I mean, that is that is um, everything I wish to accomplish and more. Um, I definitely don't want to be someone who just continues to shadow or continue to just cast negativity onto something that has mm. so much potential. Yeah. And so um, I'm glad that people, that not just people, but you are able to see my very strong criticism, but also the hope that kind of, um, I guess, imbues my my philosophies and my um, beliefs moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
for sure. And I think that's a big thing, you know, moving forward is, has been on my mind a lot lately. So, and I've been wanting to ask you more about you as a person, but I was like, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the interview. Um, because I love how we'll, you know, we'll audio message on Instagram and you always (laughs) have these beautifully like philosophical, well-spoken audio messages. And then I message you with like screaming children a little bit and like, you know, and like, I can't even complete a sentence. And I'm like, I just have to interview you and have a coherent conversation. Beautiful life of a mama. I guess it is. I guess so. <laughs> so. Yeah. But anyway, I I saw your name Moxim, and I was like, where is he from? And then you said you're on Central Time. I was like, what? You're where? Yeah. So tell I me am. where where do you live? Where are you from? So I currently live in a rural community in Missouri, about an hour and a half to two hours south of St. Louis. You are not far from me. I'm in Kansas. Oh my God, you're not far from me. My That's goodness. Wild. Okay, okay. That's radical. Um, but yeah, I live in a small town um, about an hour and a half to two hours south of St. Louis. Okay. Um, and I was born in Voronezh, Russia. Wow. And I was adopted um, three and a ha- at three and a half years old, and I moved to the States. And it's been a um, crazy ride since. Okay. So pretty much, yeah, so pretty much from my beginning... I mean, ever since the genesis of my life mm-hmm. to where I am today, it's kind of been a crazy ride. Thankfully, though, in the last five years, I've been more than fortunate to have experienced a ton of peace. Mm. Um, That's good. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very thankful for that. That's amazing. Well, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about your faith journey and your beginnings in spirituality, deconstruction, and now where you where you are now? Yeah. So I was raised evangelical. Um, so it was kind of a mix. So I was, I, when I first came to the States, I was raised in a non-denominational church. And then I started attending my grandparents' church around like nine or 10 years old. And then I started going to a Pentecostal church when I was around okay. 10 to 11 years old. And then I started going to all three at the same time. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I, so I was definitely uh, more confused than I feel a lot of the people in my faith circle was <laughs> because there were so many conflicting theologies and doctrines that I was struggling to um, make sense of. And I started to internalize a lot of the more negative theologies, like the, um, or not really necessarily the negative, but the more, um, yeah, I'll just stick with negative. So for instance, like hell doctrines and things, I started to obsess over the negatives of my faith. So those beliefs, um, did a number on me as a child. And then plus discovering that I was gay at around eight years old and being taught the beliefs around, you know, gay people going to hell. And then that moment I went downstairs after my mother had seen that I had had um, gay adult stuff on the computer. Mm. I remember going downstairs and seeing a pamphlet for children to be sent away to get healed conversion therapies and how much that was so scary to me because I'd never left home for one. I was like nine years old. And thankfully I was never, um, I never had to go through that, but there were definitely other challenges and things I'd had to go through since I didn't go to conversion therapy. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, it was definitely a very heavy childhood. And Mm -hmm. I eventually, after the age of, I think I was 17, I ended up um, pretty much at the point I came out as gay and I renounced my faith. And now I've I've been slowly but surely moving back into the, back into faith in a more 
healthy and purposeful way. And I'm so happy with where it's where I am today. Yeah, I didn't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was still something there that was calling me, okay. if you will. And I don't mean like an actual literal. I mean like poetically hmm. or so metaphorically. So can I ask then, was, was the main reason you left faith then because of being gay would you say or did that kind of start unraveling things or how did that work? i think i think that's partially the case however i think there was so much more okay that had caused me to leave the faith i mean i mean i don't want to get too dark with the subject matter but ever since i was like pretty much eight or nine years old up until i was 17 i suffered with severe depression mm. um um I'm just going to say like suicidal ideation and other mm-hmm. things like that um, because of my sexuality, because of the messages that were being poured into me at such a young age that I was not able to intellectually challenge or process. Mm-hmm. And so that partially being gay was part of the reason as to why I chose to leave the faith. But I was also just even theologically and doctrine, like when it comes to the doctrines that are taught, I was so inherently unhappy and confused and displeased with like I was like the subject or the I was the um, byproduct of all these teachings and I was miserable Mm. man and so it was really the I had a I had a breaking point with my faith and I remember the moment so clearly I remember it was I was at church conference um, a church retreat and I was sitting in this classroom where they were telling all of us that are in um, going to college about how many people leave the faith. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there, still being a very avid Christian, still believing in the things that I was taught to believe, yet feeling in the, in the pit of my soul that I am one of those people that will be leaving my faith. And I remember sitting there because I never at that point considered it. Yeah. But I, and at that moment, I felt so much fear and like, oh my gosh, I can't believe at a soul level, I feel like I'm going to be one of those people. Yeah, It was scary. I then felt, you know, feelings of shame and like, oh my God, like how could I be one of those people? I'm a good Christian boy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I remember on my way home from the retreat, that thought staying in my head, like, why would I think that I would be one of those people? And then eventually getting off of this um, big bus that all of us traveled to the retreat in and knowing that I was never going to be back. Oh, wow. And that was like, wow. And I hadn't gone to church since. Wow. Wow. That's like a yeah. reverse, um, almost like a reverse, like conversion moment. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel like my soul knew more than I did. Huh. Because I had not up until that point even considered leaving my faith. I had. Yeah. I was very depressed. I was very displeased in my faith. Yeah. But I was still like thought like maybe it's, I always assumed that it was me that was the problem. Like I just wasn't understanding it correctly or mm-hmm. um, maybe I needed to um, look at it from a different angle. But I mean, I from the ages of eight to 17 years old, I had looked from every angle you could fathom. So yeah. I was still inherently, um, yeah, not in a good place. Wow. And so I guess my soul knew more than I did at the time. Okay, so you left you left Christianity, and then later on, a transition started to happen, right? I guess the transition. So at 19 years old, I had lost my job due to paperwork um, discrepancy. Something had happened with the paperwork, and I was out of work for three months unexpectedly. Oh, like wow. it was the most unanticipated thing I could have fathomed to have happened. 
And I remember at that time I knew that I had there was there was a reason for it, like why I lost it, because it was just so random why I lost it. Hmm. That I knew that it was a time to go inward. And I don't think I had the language that I do now. I just knew it was a time to get silent. And so I had had a moment where I was watching The Shack, oh, yes. um, which is by which is by one of my favorite authors, William Paul Young, who is such an amazing, um, such an amazing author and has such a beautiful um, understanding of God and what that can look like and the many images that that can take on. Mm-hmm. And um, I was watching The Shack, and it was the first time I ever saw a loving image of God, mm-hmm. not just a loving image of God, but in the movie. Um, God is depicted as a black woman. The Holy Spirit was a woman, mm-hmm. and a um, and I think Jesus in the in the um, in the movie was like just a man, right? Yeah, well, like a and, yeah, Middle Eastern man though, a little yeah. more accurate than we see a lot. Yeah, a lot more accurate. <laughs> but I remember watching that movie, and it was like I think it was too much for my brain to take on because for mm-hmm. one, God was a nurturing mother. Yeah. Which was such something I needed. And God was not being wrathful in the movie. God was this presence of love and nurturing and um almost like that that which we call God was alongside us in this journey of life rather than this dictator up in the sky waiting to strike us down when we mm. mess up. Yeah. That was the first time I I'm first time I'd ever seen an image of God like that. Wow. And so that really was, I guess, like opened up the floodgates. And that was during the time of me losing my job. Okay. And then um, I started, I got introduced to Sister Joan Chittister around the same time. Um, actually, that's probably a lot later, but my timelines are foggy. Okay. <laughs> um, and Sister Joan Chittister, who's a um, nun, a Benedictine nun, had said, um, God doesn't have to punish us for our sins because our sins punish themselves. Hmm. And that was revolutionary all in and itself because, again, we create our reality. Hmm. So God is not trying to strike us down when we mess up. And then to make it even more radical, um, Richard Rohr, who's one of my favorite teachers, said, I do not think you should get rid of your sin until you've learned what your sin has to teach you. Huh. Wow. I never heard that. That was like, what? Because, and now it makes so much sense because of course it's through our imperfect steps that we reach more perfect steps. Hmm. You know, we have to fall down to get back up. We have to go through our crucifixions to reach our resurrections. It's the, it's Hmm. the cosmic truth, if you will. Yeah. And so, yeah, those, all of these different nuggets of truth were just pouring into me and then, um, it really happened all within like a year. I remember I'd had a conversation with my mother because keep in mind, I want to go back a little bit. Prior to this time, like when I was still going to that church um, and going to the church retreat, hmm. I had very bigoted opinions. I had very pre- I had a ton of prejudices against others, including myself, because mm-hmm. the unhappiness within myself expressed itself through my worldview. So if I'm unhappy, of course, I'm going to look through the world in an unhappy lens. And so I thought everyone was out to get me and everybody was trying to take, you know, the very victim narratives that we create for ourselves. I was a Trump supporter. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had at that point been a very staunch conservative. 
um, scare, scarily so, uh, because I was kind of radical in that sense. Huh. And um, and then all within a year, fast forward back to when I was talking about my mother. Uh, my mother, I remember, had like freaked out on me because she's she's like, you have to slow down. I can't keep up. She's like, one minute you're someone I know who's entirely different. And now you're this radical something else. And you have to slow down for me. And I was like, mm. oh, my goodness. I had no idea that I had changed that much in such a small period of time that it really was like um, what I'd imagine like when you're in a wreck and you get that impact mm. where you're like, yeah. uh, I don't know what that term is called. Or like whiplash? Is that what whiplash. you mean? Yeah. It really, I think, looking back, it was probably very much like a whiplash for my mother. Oh, cause yeah. Because it was like I had done a completely ident a complete identity shift within like less than a year. Hmm. It was, it really was unforeseen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So talking about, I, I want to take just a second here because you and I have briefly touched on in our conversations about Christians and politics. So let's just do a little side yeah. note here real fast. Um, I have yeah. heard when doing this podcast, cause I actually, we have audiences. Um, it's, it's really a beautiful mix of people who are all over the spectrum politically, theologically. I mean, we yeah. have atheists and Christian, you know, all over. Yeah. I have I heard, that. um, almost the exact same well actually pretty much the exact same words come out of people's mouths saying i don't know how you can be a christian and affiliate with blank party however the blank changes right yeah <laughs> and then yeah, you have absolutely. the people that say well if you're a christian stay out of politics like that we need to not be political right and yeah. so i yeah. want to hear i know you're interested in this topic i want to kind of hear your take on do Christians need to be involved in politics? How do we need to look at that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do Christians need to be a part of politics? And it's not about being political. It's about being looking at the moral issues. Like I have to always look back, like if the whole purpose of being a Christian is to be like Jesus, we have to look at Jesus, the revolutionary, hmm. right? Jesus wasn't just this person meditating in the mountains and removing himself from the suffering of the poor and the sick. That was his that was his entire central message mm. was taking care of the impoverished, taking care of the needy, taking care of the ill, yeah. taking care of the marginalized, the women. I mean, this man was a revolutionary. And I think Christians forget that Jesus's entire adult life was he was a revolutionist. How anyone would be a Christian and not feel that urge to stand up in a political way you know, there's all these things that are political, but really we're talking about issues that affect each and every person. We're talking about policies mm. and policies are extremely important when it comes to, you know, acting out in our faith, yeah. because if our faith calls us to be A, B and C, we can't just remove ourselves and say, well, we're not going to follow that part because we don't want to we don't want to press any buttons. Jesus pressed every button that he got onto a cross for it. Mm. OK, we have to carry our cross at some point. And the whole point, and I was telling someone else, you know, the whole passion story is extremely powerful because it talks about carrying the crosses of others. I mean, let's remember Simon of Serene, who went out of his way to help carry the cross of Jesus. Is, it, is that not like a rally cry to have us Christians go out of our way to carry the crosses of the marginalized? That is what it means to be a Christian, you know? I mean, so yes, in, a, in my opinion, to be religious is to be political. I mean, absolutely, 
Hmm. Which makes for very fun holiday talk, which we'll get into later because it's the two hottest topics at the holidays. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I know. It's not about Jesus's like birth. It's yeah. always about, you know, it's, That's so it's about true. gifts. It's always about gifts. Everyone competing of who got their kids the best gift uh-huh. and um, talking about abortion. Because what's more jolly than that? Oh my. That's so true. Okay, before we get (laughs) off the politics talk, I love this idea of thinking about it as policies because I think, you know, uh, anyone that's worked in a workplace cares about the policy, (laughs) you know? And so to think of it as like our larger scale workplace, our larger scale Mm. home, it makes absolute sense that Christians should care. Of course, how we go about deciding how we how, go about how to it. Care, and I'm not saying that you have to be a Democrat or you have yeah. to become a communist or you have to, however you see that. But I think if we look at the life and actions of Jesus and we're calling ourselves Christian, then mm-hmm. we need to care about those same things. I mean, like if your prophet is saying A, B, and C isn't, and you want to follow that. Yeah. I mean, anybody can worship someone. It takes a true Christian to live as a reflection of that who he worships. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's convicting for me in a great way, Mm. in a great way, because I I often shy away. I think, oh, I don't know enough about this candidate or that or what. And it's like... Well, I think the best way to do it is to be the hands and feet in your current state. So I'm not saying you have to go out today and go vote. Go to a food, um, to a, a, what do they call them? A food center? A food pantry. Where they help with. Yeah, pantry maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Go to um, a homeless shelter. Give, you know, give your time. If you know a friend in need, Mm. help that way. If you, um, there's um, different um, queer community centers all throughout um, people's states, usually, at least in my state, in Missouri. So, you know, I'm not saying you have to get, you know, directly involved in politics. Like right now, I'm saying to take baby steps, start trying to pursue that and allow this, allow the spirit to flow. And eventually you'll get where you need to be. Hmm, I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. So back to the story. That was a side note that definitely needed to happen (laughs) because that was so good. That was so many good points. Okay. So you watch the shack, um, listen to the Mm -hmm. nun. I can't remember her name. You'll have to send me sister Joan Chittister. Okay. I'll maybe I'll put that in the show notes too. Um, and so did you, was there a point where you're like, actually, I'm a Christian again, or was there not, how did that look? So I think I struggle with like, for myself, calling myself a Christian okay. because thanks to my evolution in my beliefs, I've had the, I've had the privilege of learning about so many different faith traditions that speaks so closely to my heart, such as the Hindu tradition the Sufi tradition, which is the um, mystical branch of Islam, um, the shamanic traditions and indigenous um, traditions. There's been so many. And so um, I would say that I'm very much a spiritual nomad, but I walk on the edges of Christianity because that's the lens and culture that I'm most familiar with. Okay. And so I like to stay in my own lane. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And so... But I definitely don't have an exclusive idea of Christianity. Okay. I think I think Christianity, just like every religion, is a singular culture seeking to interpret the mystery that is God in their own experience hmm. and documenting it. So, yeah. 
Okay, so as you were deconstructing and coming back to the faith, why did you decide it's not better to discard Christianity? Why not to discard Christianity? Because I believe in the power of healing. I believe in the power of transcending the bad. If we try to live our lives from that philosophy, then we have to also uh, apply it to our religions. Yeah. Because at the root of Christianity, there is something truly beautiful about the messages that Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we can get rid of all of the noise and all of the you know, exclusive language, you're out and I'm in, and um, you don't agree with me, so you're going to hell. I mean, Jesus, for one, never called us to be any gatekeepers of heaven. And so um, I think if we can look at Christianity as sort of this, rather than the Bible being like infallible or an errand and everything, we can look at it as a source of wisdom and learn and kind of look at the evolution that each of these characters in the scriptures took, uh, were on, we'll kind of see a larger message. That's why the Jesus came into the story and kind of blew it all wide open yeah. and was like, no, God loves everyone. <laughs> love your neighbor, love God. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think Christianity has so much to, um, so much potential. And I've seen, and we've seen that through the teachings of Martin Luther King and Howard Thurman and Sister Joan Chittister and all of these people that are sort of trying to pull the roots to expose them so people can see the beauty um, of what the scriptures are actually telling. Hmm. Like, that's a beautiful thing. And so I think if we were to be a little bit more cognizant of the amazing Christians in throughout history who have tried to show us the way, we could see something that is worth holding on to and um, hopefully, you know, be able to establish a healthier um, image of Christianity that isn't so divisive and seems to be a force for bad in the world, unfortunately. Yeah. So before we go on, can I ask you, this is, this is going to sound, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to sound, um, but I think you know my heart, so I hope you can hear this <laughs> when I say sure, this question. Sure, sure. I, I can hear some of our listeners, some of our more um, theologically conservative, I will say, listeners, sure. thinking, so wait, does he even think Christianity's true? Do you think Christianity is true? And let me add, if so, in what way? Because I think that's going to be important to address. <laughs> so I think Christianity is just as true as every other interpretation of God. Okay. Um, so I think that Christianity is a culturally bounded religion, you know, in Israel or like um, Judaism. Mm -hmm. And so I believe it is a true religion just as Judaism is a true religion. Um, just as Hinduism is a true religion, all of these things are um, true in their own sense. Okay. I mean, I hope that makes sense. Or am I not really answering that question? As It's funny. Yes and no. Um, I think, you know, the core of the question from especially more of our theologically conservative listeners is going to be, do you think Christianity is objectively true because if it is then other religions cannot be objectively true so but i i recently i recently wrote um in one of my blog posts that when we ask about who is a christian what is a christian and all of that is that actually what we're asking is that really what we're wanting to know or are we really wanting to know that we're right and they're wrong hmm. 
that's a <laughs> that's a good and point. that is <laughs> yeah and that is something that I struggle with because I am not in the business of excluding anybody so with that being said if someone believes that the bible is inerrant that's beautiful hold to that but also live by that mm. yeah and if you believe that it isn't then that's okay too i mean i'm just not in the business to tell people that they're you know they're evil for not believing this or that that's a very exclusive and um dualistic way of seeing the world and i don't think that that really brings much love into the center does it i mean mm. i don't think it does yeah because then you always have that um, underlying thought that although you're smiling and you're like, oh, you're Hindu, that's cute, but you're going to hell. Yeah. That's how it just ends up being interpreted, unfortunately. Yes. And maybe that's part of the linchpin is I think for a lot of the people that have questioned this and, you know, I, I used to really sure. think this way more than. I do in now in part because I got my degree in apologetics, which is crazy, yeah. but that's all, that's the whole <laughs> thing. It's like the whole deal yeah. at that school that was so much conflict for me is like, we have to defend this absolute idea of truth because what's at stake. So kind of looking hmm. at, wait, how much of hell is actually, you sure. know, like even what's in the Bible. I mean, that's a whole nother topic for another day, right. but it's like when you get rid of fear, when you get rid of fear, mm. then it it becomes less about what is absolutely true. And it becomes so much more about relationship, I feel like, and so much more about yes. living and experiencing. And that's kind of what I'm hearing from yes. you. It's like, it's less about that and more about how you, you are expressing love, divine love in the world. Is that what I'm kind of hearing? Absolutely. I think it's, Whenever you create a life out of fear and fear doctrines, you've already built your life to be a battleground rather than a communal space of loving one another and relational living. Hmm. That's so good. Maybe that's a good word for earlier, fear doctrines. When you were saying yeah, negative doctrines. doctrines, maybe fear doctrines is a good fear word Fear doctrines. That. Yeah. Well, that's really, I mean, that's the source of it all. That's the crux of it all, really. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately. Man. That is beautiful. So speaking of love, how... Mm. Well, let's first, before we get to that, how do you know what doctrines to hold on to now? So, um, as you, as I said earlier, I walk the edges of Christianity and something that continues to hold me so closely is the fruits of the spirit. Okay. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Mm -hmm. All of those things are sort of my, my template in which I use to know which doctrines to keep and hold. If something incites fear, then why am I holding on to it? Hmm. Because if, if love is that which comes from God, then I can't believe anything that is fearful or, you know, that incites, you know, us versus them mentalities is of God. I'm sorry. That's not how I choose to um, look at my world. Hmm. And so when I, when I seek to hold on to different views from my past, I, I sifted through that um, belief. Okay. Of the fruits of the spirit. Okay. And that's kind of how I got rid of a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> that's very interesting. Because I just can't imagine a God that is made of love would want me to be um, scared to death every day mm. or looking over my shoulder. Yeah. There's no fear in love. We read that. So what does that yeah. actually mean <laughs> to yeah. live out? I know. That's wild. Okay. So then how do you measure love now? I, I think I measure it through, does it feel like love? 
Mm, You know, growing up, I always had pastors say to me, we do this because we love you. Like when I went through my um, informal exorcism at my little Pentecostal church. Oh, wow. (laughs) Informal exorcism. Just going to nonchalantly throw that in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a little bomb for you. Okay. Um, Yeah. You know, they, they said that they did it because they loved me. And I remember genuinely believing it, but the entire time I knew that what they were really saying was that I'm not enough hmm. and that there's something inside of me that needs to be released. Yeah. Was this to because be of loved by God? Uh, was this because of being gay or what was that? Why? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Yes. yes. They anointed me. And the thing that I think I look back on that and I remember wanting it so badly. I wanted to, you know, let the demons out so badly. And I remember, you know, sobbing, being so desperate because at that point I was 15 years old and I had done everything. I had fasted, I had prayed, I would abstained, I had done literally everything I had been asked to do. And I was like, this was my last resort. Hmm. And it didn't work. And I thought like, oh my God, I'm a helpless cause. Oh, wow. Nothing works. Oh, man. And so, yeah, it was terrible. But I remember back to the um, measures of love. I tend to measure love today by whether it feels like love. Because love is, when you know it and you've felt it, you can you can um, notice it anywhere. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't believe fear resides in that space of love. And so if someone is trying to say something or speak into my life and they're claiming it to be love, yet it feels like um, inciting shame, mm. inciting fear inciting a lack of enoughness, then I have to know that that is not of love. Because hmm. that doesn't reflect any of the fruits of the Spirit, for one, and it doesn't feel like love. That's really interesting. It's funny because it's almost counterintuitive to what we're taught, right? We're, we're taught like, well, not all things yeah. that feel like love are love. But then we go so far yeah. the other way where I was just reading about, um, I don't know if you've, oh, you probably have heard about, what is it, Camp Canicook? Is that how you say it? And the whole, I don't know hmm. if you've heard of that. It's a Missouri, in Missouri, there was this Christian camp. It was near the school I went to for college and all this mm-hmm. abuse happened. And I was just reading some of the survivors' um, reports, say, you know, and, and how people would say, you know, this, um, when it came to sexuality, they're like, well, mm. you know, you feel like this, but as long as, you know, as long as it's within this parameters, this is not wrong. I just like this, this way of thinking, you're, you can't yeah. trust your feelings. And we've yeah, almost... you can't trust your gut. Right. And that's how a lot of people get into very sketchy circumstances. Exactly. And I, and I, I just have been yeah. thinking that about that a lot lately because so much of my life has been, you can't trust your feelings. You know, the heart is what evil, deceitful above all things. You know, this idea of... Deceitful, yeah. Yeah, of disassociating from ourselves. And I think... I keep kind of going back to, I wrestle mm. with this. I wrestle with this because I've had wrong ideas about things in the past. And yet we were first made in the image of God. That's something I keep coming back to. Like, what does that mean mm. about how to yes. think about our gut and our intuition and things like that ourselves. and how to work with it and ourselves and how yeah. to work with it, not constantly be being trying to divorce ourselves from ourselves <laughs> to be holy yeah. or something. That's just yes. been something that's rolling around my brain lately. So I think that's really interesting. Oh my to gosh. Hear. Yes. Yeah. Here you say like, does it yeah. feel like I, love is an interesting thing I'm going to hold on to for a while, I think, and mull over. 
do you have a knot in your stomach when they say something? If it is, then mm. I have to question it a second time. Yeah. Oh, I wow. have to re-inspect it. Wow. That's... Mm, that's gonna that's something i don't think i've consciously been thinking about so you brought it up you always make me mm. think your page makes me think and here you are doing it again so awesome okay let's get into the holidays as someone yeah. who has been through deconstruction at, on honestly a lot of different levels with the holidays yeah. coming up a lot of people are terrified because like we've mentioned before politics and religion are some hot topics so is there any advice oh, yeah. you would give to someone who is deconstructing and struggling with the idea of being with their family knowing faith mm. and politics are often topics of conversation yeah well for one i would say and i think i just have to remind many of you including myself that i do not owe anyone an explanation for my now beliefs hmm. or my faith okay that is between me myself and the higher powers yeah and um yeah i think that's something that's really important to remember yeah because we, i mean if you're anything like me i used to i wanted to prove myself so badly because i was coming into this new belief and i felt like i had to prove myself i had to prove that i'm still a christian mm. i had to prove that i still am smart when it comes to politics and I just had to get to a point where I was like, I don't owe anybody anything. And so I guess, you know, the, the rational question is like, well, what do I do when I'm put into a position where I'm asked to defend my beliefs? And that is when you have the right to get up and remove yourself from the situation. Hmm. Because you know that it's really not that they're asking you. They're baiting you. Ooh. So they can create an argument out of something. Okay. They're not asking you because genuinely curious as to your new belief systems. Yeah. There's this challenging, um, this challenging energy that comes from it. And I'm speaking because I know it. Mm, yeah. And mm. so advice, I have a friend that's in a similar situation. And I said, get to know your little cousins. Go sit at their table. Mm. Go play football outside with your nephew yeah. you know remove yourself from the situation in an organic way oh i love I mean, that that's something we often overlook is like there's so many opportunities to get to know other people in our family who are not yeah. concerned with those things it's just yeah. those things we get so nervous about the ones who are going to challenge and we think about them so much during the holidays i feel like yeah it prevents us from seeing the people in our families that are just there to have a good time with family. Yeah. And so if we can just start to seek those people out that are genuinely curious, not to talk about politics and our new religious beliefs, but talk about life, talk about, you know, our new discoveries when it comes to, you know, you know, me and my wife are considering having children or mm, whatever the case may yeah. be. Having those kind of real conversations that aren't so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very beautiful thing to be able to have for yourself especially on a day that is supposed to be jolly and lighthearted mm -hmm. and communal yeah. yeah yeah allowing that space to happen <laughs> yeah that's beautiful okay so do you have any thoughts for when we inevitably <laughs> i hopefully not inevitably but if someone happens to get in a corner do you have any thoughts if they're mm. being challenged and there's no little cousins to run away to <laughs> i would say that you don't owe anyone an explanation so if the person isn't choosing to engage with you 
Make it about them. Ask them the questions. Mm. You don't have to talk about your beliefs. And usually they're more interested in talking about their beliefs anyway. So <laughs> there you go. Let them. That's... You don't have to engage. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Anyway, so as far as decon having holidays after deconstruction, um, what are some mm. things or something you've held on to from your past traditions that are helping to enrich your current faith? Well, definitely the fruits of the spirit. That is one that I hold on to now. Um, if you're not familiar, I walk the more contemplative path of the Christian faith and so that's like christian mysticism and things like that and so you know during this um season which is advent i um am starting to this is the first year i'm celebrating in an intentional way mm. and it's really got me to think about jesus being born and um jesus's purpose in the world and um yeah, I'm trying. I think I'm feeling a little bit more sentimental about my, about these holidays more than I ever had in my past. Because mm -hmm. I'm wanting to come to it with a more intentional and healthy, in a healthy way. And so I'm trying to see, you know, instead of looking at Jesus as the savior of all humanity, thinking the entire purpose of his life was just his death, mm -hmm. looking at his birth and what are the messages that are enshrined throughout those stories and also his life, and um, reading more into those and seeing the beauty that can be captured from, you know, the story in the manger. I heard something from James Finley, who's a Christian mystic, and he said that um, the story of, you know, Mary and Joseph going to the inn and then being um, rejected because they didn't have enough space, and he says, yet God still came. Hmm. that didn't stop God from entering into the world. Yeah. And that is really, I, I believe that the stories that are told in the Bible, especially, you know, the story of Christ, is really the microcosm or the literal story to the bigger story, the macrocosm. Hmm. And so um, usually I've noticed that the stories that are told in Scripture, especially during, like the nativity story, there's truths in it that are, still true today. Like God is still willing to come into the world. God is still working through us and coming into the world. Um, no, nothing will stop God from, from making God's will happen. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. It doesn't have and, to be perfect. Yeah. No. It to be holy. Oh, I love that. So is there any specific, you know, um, I don't know, material you're using this season? I always have people asking me, you know, oh, are there books? Are there podcasts? Or, yeah, is there anything that's helping helping you? So um, there's this amazing page I absolutely love on Instagram. His at is Monk in Docs. Okay. Um, Mark okay. Gladman, that's his name. Okay. He is, he's a contemplative um, monk. He's such a, con such a beautiful um writer and he speaks about more of the the beauty from scripture it's really he's really helped me to fall back into love with um christianity and the stories told mm -hmm. in christianity also um new eden ministries okay which is a um mystical christian website where they share different reflections about scripture and they pull from different saints and 
different monks and spiritual thought leaders throughout our history. Hmm. And that's been really nice. I just read one this morning that spoke about nature was our first Bible. Oh, I love that. But yeah, those are kind of the pages. Also my own. Yes. No, your own. I want (laughs) to make sure we get that in there where people can find you. Because if they're like me, they're going to just fall in love with your content. I think it's always so thought provoking and encouraging. So my page is um, called Moxum, which is M-A-K-C-U-M and then Decimal um, Novikov, which is N-O-V-I-K-O-V. So yeah. yeah. And you're going to have a YouTube up sometime, right? A YouTube page? Yeah, eventually. Yes. I'm trying to get as much stockpiled as possible so I can um, start taking out content. My goal is to start my first YouTube video on January 1st to kind of start off the new year. I'll be talking about everything from faith contemplation. I'm talking more about like um, mystical Christianity and the fruits that come from that. Okay. Um, um, Definitely. I definitely come from more of a a panentheist um, um, belief system. So I don't know if any... If I need to expand, maybe on what that is, is that but, that um, God is at work throughout yeah. everything, or what is? Yeah, maybe do because <laughs> that would help me. <laughs> so it's just saying that God is in all things, but also transcends all things. Okay. So, yeah. So it's not saying that the tree is God, but that God's um, resting places in the tree and oh, and our souls. That. Okay. And everywhere else, God is radically in relationship with everything. Mm, I love that. I love that. Moxim, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being willing to come on. I think this is going to be the perfect, perfect thing for some people to listen to around the holidays and to feel brave and to feel love and to feel that they can connect with God and they're changing faith and and that they're going to survive it. I hope so. (laughs) He has survived. I hope so. so I mean, you can't do. (laughs) Yes. I always say that you, uh, whenever it comes to the holidays and when it comes to those conversations, you can only be responsible for what you say and do. Hmm. You can't control other people, but you can control yourself. So knowing that you're being responsible for yourself, that's all that matters. Yeah. And so you got this. Yes, you got this. Thanks for being here, Moxon. If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.